welcome to Sex on the Floor podcast. This podcast was created to help educate the public about problems with sex and intimacy and how this is tied to both physical and mental aspects. Hosted by myself, Dr. Molly Hart, a passionate pelvic floor physical therapist and owner of Pelvic Balance Physical Therapy, and by Dr. Katie Schubert, a phenomenal sex therapist and owner of Cypress Wellness Center. We are here to have a good time. We're here to keep it real with you all and to educate along the way. I'm so excited for you to join us. We strive to help many relationships prosper in fun, safe, and healthy intimacy. While listening to the show, please remember that this information is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. This is Dr. Molly Hart and Dr. Katie Schubert. So we are back um, almost two years later. (laughs) So the last episode that we did talking about trying public health and trying to get pregnant. We did, I just looked at the date. It was in 2021. Yeah, it was April, 2021. So obviously um, we're in 2023 right now. We are currently recording this in January. We'll see when it actually gets up on our uh, BuzzFeed. (laughs) But we're talking about that just because Katie and I are two very busy moms. We're entrepreneurs and we love doing this, but it's hard. Um, Yeah, it's it's just even getting set up for today's podcast was quite, quite hilarious. (laughs) So Katie, anything you want to add to your new wonderful news of life right now? Um, so our last episode, we were talking about getting pregnant and I must have, we must have jinxed my life because <laughs> shortly thereafter I got pregnant, um, with our third. So it's been, um, it's, it's been a shit show for a few years <laughs> or for five approximate years. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, Molly has two kids. I have three kids and we're both business owners. So we're trying to manage quite a bit. Um, so the advice that we give on this podcast comes from our heart. Yeah, it really does. And, um, if there's any moms out there who are also entrepreneurs and your life isn't a shit show, I want to know your unicorn secrets because (laughs) right now I'm sitting in my, this is like a, a, a camper van, which is actually very fun, but I'm sitting in this because it's the only spot that's quiet enough for me to get away to do a podcast episode. Um, yes, this is very exciting. We're so excited that we're finally back here. And yeah, it's been, it's been four years. I just talked to my husband about this the other day of, of quite a bit of intense life chaos and fun because I've had two kids. I have a nine month old now and a two year old and my husband is leaving for nine months and two weeks. Oh my God. Yes. So how do, how we do it is um, I've just learned to be a master delegator and Katie, you're already really good at that, but let's get into the episode today, which is we want to talk about pelvic health and overall health really in general during pregnancy. And we're going to piggy bank off of what we went over last episode, 
last episode, we talked about a lot of stuff that's really, I would say, just carry that through pregnancy and postpartum. So I don't think we need to go as in depth on this one, but more so just be more simple because pregnancy, you've got a lot going on. We don't need to complicate anything else beyond that. So is there anything else? Is there, is there somewhere you want to start, Katie? Um. Well, I was thinking about this, about what what kinds of advice I would give to uh, pregnant women about how to approach their sex life. Um, and what I, what I realized what the, was that it, it's really just about comforts, um, and, and confidence, <laughs> right? Because a lot of times, um, those two things are, are certainly lacking when women's bodies are changing, when women's hormones are changing, when women's relationships are changing, so it is really important to find some sort of like qu- quite literally like comfortable position to have sex in, yeah. um, or like a comfortable amount of clothing to wear when you're having sex. Um, and then appreciate the fact that your body is changing to create another human being and not be too hard on yourself for gaining weight or for changing shapes or for, you know, your, um, you know, your vulva looks different. Yeah. There's all sorts of things that change. Um, and it's, it's easy to get caught up in it and feel self-conscious about it. But I think that one of the takeaways that I've worked with, you know, lots of pregnant women trying to have sex with their partners is that you just can't get too wrapped up in it. Yeah. Overthinking it. And you know, there's something you said in an episode when we were talking about male pleasure that I loved. And and you said, just take it back to when you said, as people get older, they start to overthink sex. And I, and that like hit home with me in a way I didn't grasp back then when we did the recording, because it's true. Cause when you're a teenager or you're in your early twenties and you're having sex for the first time, I mean, gosh, depends, I guess, depends on when you had sex, I guess first, but you're just like, for me, I can only speak for me and it, it is, you know, absolutely depend if you had a pleasurable experience or not a pleasurable experience your first time or when you were younger, but yeah, you're just in your body. You're just having fun. You're just exploring. Um, even if you don't like it, you're still just very acutely aware of what the body is experiencing. You're not as much in your head. So that's, it's so interesting how that does increase more as we age. So now if you think about it, a lot of times when people are pregnant, they're a little bit older, so they're going to start to overthink things more and our culture is so harsh on the female body that those are points I didn't even think about, like what you just brought up Um, with confidence and comfort are going to be key when it comes to sex during pregnancy. And then what's so interesting is every woman is different. Some women's libidos tank during pregnancy the whole time. Sometimes they tank just during, you know, portion of the pregnancy, like first trimester, um, second trimester, woo, crazy libido. So it, it varies. So don't be alarmed if your libido is changing throughout the pregnancy compared to before that to me, I would say is you should just expect that. Yeah. And one thing about what you just said previously, um, the getting in your body part of it, that's my, that's usually my go-to advice with a lot of my clients, get in your body, notice how it feels. Um, sometimes that doesn't work with pregnant women because their body hurts or their body, isn't what they're used to, or they don't know how to maneuver their body the same way because it's changing shape. So sometimes that advice given to pregnant women, there will, it will distract them even more during sex. Okay. So it makes, you know, sex therapy with pregnant women a little bit more tricky. What do you tell women then when they're pregnant? 
Um, you said, I can't really tell them to get in their body because their body doesn't necessarily always feel good. So what is your advice to them then? Um, well, I guess it depends on how, how heavily pregnant they are. Right. Um, I think, I think most women during their first trimester, they don't have much of a libido. They're not feeling good. Their hormones are not conducive to happy feelings. No. And you're so tired. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep and rest and do nothing. Exactly. Second trimester, you begin to feel normal. It's the, it's the good trimester. Third trimester, uh, you're, you're often too large to enjoy much. So second trimester, I think that that advice would be the best, um, get into your body, feel it, notice how, how everything is working. Third trimester, find a position that works well for you. Yeah. Third trimester to me was so fun to find a position that actually worked because your belly is so big that it's for me and my husband like we're just goofy so it was just comical we're like okay let's see if this works and then it didn't always feel the greatest so and I've talked about this in a past episode I used uh revagination this lubricant that my acupuncturist makes and it's got cbd oil in it it's a bunch of different natural oils like coconut oil sunflower oil I can't even remember. I'd have to look at the ingredients. Um, and then it has Arnica in it as well, but it's totally safe. It's just for the vaginal tissues. And I would have to put that on. And then I put it also, you put it on your male's penis as well, because if you just put it on yourself, it's not enough and it's oily. So it's not like a typical lubricant, but it calms everything down. Third trimester, when you're having sex for me, I needed things to be calmed down because there's just a lot of pressure. Like you've got so much pressure on the vaginal canal, but then the penis goes in and it's just, you feel a lot that you don't want to feel. <laughs> no, I, a little bit of a tangent here. So I, I think I had mentioned to you that I did a few TikTok stories that like, I, I still don't know how or why they blew up, but one of them especially blew up. It was pieces of, of sex advice from I a sex And one of my pieces of advice was to use coconut oil and people hated it. They absolutely hated that piece of advice. Why? I don't know. You know what though? And people pay running lines. I don't really care what people say online, this and that, because I work with people in the clinic all the time, problem solving. And some people do hate coconut oil and some people like it, but this revagination is not like coconut oil. Um, cause co- this is the thing that is annoying about just pure coconut oil is it is dependent on the temperature with how solid or liquid it is. And then it can also have like the little clumps in it. So that, and I, I do find it more annoying to use the revagination is straight um it's a straight oil it's almost the consistency of like olive oil so you have to be very careful I tell people to make a little cup in their hand just pour a teeny little amount I take your index finger coat your index finger and then coat the whole inside of the vaginal wall very thin layer and then I tell them to squirt it on the top of the penis when it's fully erect and then just rub it all on the penis and then you're good but you don't want a lot you want a very thin layer of it so yeah coconut oils just hit or miss with people and the only people that I know that really love to use coconut oil over other products are ones that have an insane amount of allergies or sensitivities and they can't tolerate anything else so coconut oil is the only option that we have 
So the the oil that you're talking about, can you buy it like on Amazon or is it you can only you can buy, buy it on my website if you wanted to, um, because I get it specially made by an acupuncturist. So I do sell it online. It's not something I'm selling crazy because I know I so with my patients when they come in, everybody gets a bottle of that for free with their plan of care because for painful intercourse, I also use it. I, I use it with all of my patients who have any type of pelvic discomfort who are trying to pace back into intercourse. Okay. And during pregnancy, it's heaven. I could not have sex third trimester without this. I, I really couldn't. It's also fun to masturbate with. We've talked about different lubes with masturbation and I, it's so CBD and THC change how you experience an orgasm. Um, they've done studies on this as well. So because of the CBD in there, it, it does, it feels different, but it's, it's a, it's a good fun different when you're doing just clitoral stimulation. Can you describe the good fun different? For, so for me, I can, so this is just me. This is just my experience, right? So I don't know other people's nervous systems. Um, it prolongs everything a little oh. bit. So it's, it's like little less intense but prolonged and still extremely pleasurable. So, because you know, sometimes if you overstimulate the clitoris, it's almost too much. So it, it just dampens it enough to where you can have a longer, fun, high sensory experience with the clitoris. Oh, how interesting. And they say THC does the same thing. They say THC does that at a more intense level. THC lubricants. Well, so I know that pregnant women tend to have more blood flow going to their vulva. So I'm wondering if that also has something to do with the prolonged pleasurable experience. Oh no. I mean, this is even when I'm not pregnant. I will oh. use that. I love, I love using it. I, <laughs> I'm all about, I use, I use masturbation as a total form of meditation. I'm like, I'm going to go meditate. Close the door. <laughs> my husband knows what it means. He's like, okay, <laughs> you don't want me to come in. I'm like, no, I need my time to myself. <laughs> <laughs> but so there's different lubrications with CBD and THC and it can change your experience, whether you are pregnant or not, but with pregnancy, it helps calm everything down. Because like you said, there's more blood flow, there's more sensitivity, but not sensitivity in a good way no. necessarily. So, okay. okay. Anyways, <laughs> well, that was a little bit of a tangent, but I think a helpful one. Yeah, I think so too. And then first trimester, my advice to you guys I mean, seriously, is, oh, be so gentle with yourself and so accepting of the fact that you're going to be exhausted. I don't know how long your exhaustion is going to last because my first pregnancy, it only lasted four weeks. My second pregnancy, it lasted 16 weeks. It went into second trimester and I was pissed because I was like, like, when am I going to get out of this? And for me, I'm a very go, 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 want to get stuff done. I like to get things in a day done that make me feel productive. And when you're tired like that, you're not going to be productive. And it sucks because you go from being totally normal to boom, I'm so tired. I'm so unmotivated. I can't do anything. And for me, I felt like a piece of crap. I felt so lazy. I felt like I was worthless. I couldn't do anything. I didn't feel like a good partner. Like these were the negative talks that came into my mind. And I know, I was like, no, I know you're supposed to feel tired, but I still never gave myself the acceptance and permission fully. Like I wish I could have. So if you can understand now to just be so 
accepting and loving with yourself and that you are going to probably be exhausted and not want to do anything. And if you just allow that to happen and enjoy it, you'll have a better first trimester. (laughs) Yeah. You know, especially if your partner can support you through that and validate and normalize that experience for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. My husband did. It was more me not validating myself. Um, third trimester. I see. This is just our experiences. How was libido for you? Third trimester. Um, well, I mean, I have two kids. I'm trying to think about um, every pregnancy. Yeah. I'm trying to think back to my first. Um, I think for me, pregnancy was just very uncomfortable. I had really bad sciatica. Um, Okay. The whole time very well so it just it wasn't conducive to a happy sex life no okay so I did not have any of that so I but I didn't have any of that because we're going to talk about this in this episode what we need to be doing with our body to try to help prevent sciatica and pelvic pain and so forth because there's a lot of things that we can do to make pregnancy so much more enjoyable but yeah if you're feeling that you're not going to want to have sex at all you're not going to want to do anything physical so sex is just something physical you're, you're not going to want to do. For me, though, um, I will say towards the very, very end of third trimester, I absolutely did not want to have sex, even though my body felt fine, more so because it was just, it just didn't feel comfortable to have the penis in that area. It didn't. But I did have a strong libido, personally, stronger during my pregnancy. So I when I got to that point, I just masturbated a lot and I loved it and I didn't care. And it is different because your labia gets so big. Just expect that you won't, you don't even know how big (laughs) and it's not that they're swollen. They're just engorged. I would say that they just get so large, so full of blood, everything down there gets so big and it does go back. It does shrink away. Cause it, it's, it's kind of scary when you look down, you're like, Oh my God, am I ruined <laughs> forever down here? But it does all go back to normal somewhat when you did have a baby, but don't be, don't be alarmed by that and try to enjoy that time. However, your body needs to enjoy it. And hopefully you have a partner who can understand whatever experience you're having um, when it comes to your old sex life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you speak more about sciatica? I know a lot of pregnant women suffer with, with. Yeah. So, okay. This is my belief system on sciatica and pelvic pain. First off, I'm going to talk about just the female body for a moment and forget about pregnancy. And then we're going to pivot into pregnancy. So around age 30, science research shows that female males, we start to naturally decondition. So the muscles are going to start to slowly decrease in their strength until that point. We're really in a pretty protective state because our muscles are not naturally doing that. It's just the typical aging process. So when are most women getting pregnant now? They're mainly getting pregnant. If you think about it around the thirties or even upwards sometimes now, then as women around age 35, 35 to around 51, we're going through perimenopause. And it's so interesting because my patients will tell me, they're like, oh no, I'm not in perimenopause. I just had the Dutch test done and I just had my hormones checked and my hormones are great. And I will tell you that's wonderful. But if you're a woman and you're 35 ish around that age, I mean, yes, you're going through perimenopause. It's just the natural, this is just our biology. So it's okay if your hormones are, are fine, 
But there are changes that are going to happen from 35 to 51. And one of the biggest problems with our estrogen and progesterone during that time is they start to really dip and, and come up. Like they're all over the place. They're not as regulated, which really affects our mood more than people can even begin to understand. Estrogen is so tied to serotonin in the brain, which is a feel good hormone. Um, and then also our bone density and our muscle mass does start to decline. So that's just a non-pregnant female woman, regardless. You're at age 30, we're starting to age 35, we're starting to have these hormonal fluctuations that are going to put us at a disadvantage for our muscles and our bone health. So what does that have to do with sciatica? Well, when the number one support tissue in the body, when I ask people, what is that? A lot of times they'll tell me they think it's the ligaments or the tendons, and it's not. The number one support tissue is your muscles. Most important, structural component, I would say to, to making your body operate well is going to be your muscles. So if we're losing muscle strength around in our thirties, and then we also now get pregnant. Well, we just talked about how first trimester, you're going to be fatigued as all get out. For me, I've worked out my whole life. Both of my um, first trimesters, I went a whole month without working out, which was a long time for me to go. And that also played into that kind of negative, um, irritation with myself. I was like, Oh my God, I always thought I would be that one to be working out while I'm pregnant. So for me, I, I actually had to join orange theory because they have accountability measures to force myself to work out because I know too much. I know if I don't work out when I'm pregnant, I'm pretty much guaranteeing myself to having some pain issues. And I wasn't willing to deal with that. So this is something I say all the time. And I'm kind of, again, going off on a little tangent, but I say this all the time to my patients. Working out is hard and it's not fun, but being in pain is also hard and it's not fun. So you have to pick which one you want to do, because if you choose to not work out, you are guaranteeing yourself as a woman, guaranteeing you are going to have body pains, not necessarily during pregnancy, but maybe, and maybe for sure after, and definitely as you continue to age, or you can choose the hardship of working out, which does suck, but then you have control over the fact that you're going to be protecting your body. You'll have much less pain, if, if not no pain, and you functionally can do whatever you want. Cause when we're in pain, we can't functionally do whatever we want. So you got to pick which heart both suck, <laughs> but you got to pick which one, the exercise one you have more control and more quality of life in. But, um, with pregnancy, a lot of people stop working out and sometimes they have complications. So um, my sister-in-law right now is pregnant. She was on pelvic rest and then went in and they were like, you're gaining weight too quickly. You need to start exercising. And she's like, what? Like you guys told me I'm on pelvic rest and now you're yelling at me for gaining weight too quickly. She's like, I don't know what to do. So it's really hard to be motivated to work out when you're pregnant. But research is so, so clear. If you work out when you are pregnant, specifically strength training, and it has to match what you've been doing. So whatever you've been doing prior to pregnancy, even if you're an Olympic athlete and you play volleyball, there are, I don't remember her name right now, but there's pictures of this um, Olympic American volleyball player playing while pregnant, like diving. Like I'm like crazy. I'm like, oh my God. But there, if you've been doing it, there's women who run marathons and triathlons while pregnant because they've been doing that. I'm not saying you should do that. <laughs> I'm just saying the female body is incredible. So whatever you've been physically doing, if you can try to find a way to do that while you're pregnant, it's going to be incredibly protective 
for things like sciatica and pelvic pain and, and all the other pains that really come along with pregnancy. If you don't know what to do, because a lot of women get scared, and I will tell you, a lot of doctors do not educate on this. And if anything, they scare us when we're pregnant. Oh, don't do anything. Um, so then women stop doing anything besides maybe walking. And so now I'm going through this massive change. My entire abdominal compartment is expanding and stretching and weakening. I have all this extra weight. My center of gravity is shifting forward. My body is going through a massive life change and I'm more rapidly deconditioning and my muscle mass and strength. So what do we get? We get, we get pain with those situations. Um, so if working out is out of the question, the best passive way to manage that, in my opinion, is going and working with a chiropractor who specializes in pregnancy. Um, I'm a huge believer in using chiropractic care during pregnancy when you're having sciatic pain. What did you do, Katie? I went to a chiropractor. It yeah. didn't help. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I, wasn't I wasn't working out. You know, that oh, was, okay. that was, I just, I felt so uncomfortable and so tired and I was no. so busy. And it was so easy to be like, oh, I'm going to spend this extra time doing business stuff because I'm so tired. I'm going to take advantage of this like awake time that I have. And that, what you said is how we all feel. Like, yeah. so it's, it's, it's so hard. Oh my God. Being a woman is so hard. Like, yeah, you're expecting us to work and take care of our other kids. <laughs> if <Yep>. you don't, <laughs> unless you don't have one yet. And I now have to make a baby with my body. And, oh, now I have to make sure I work out while I'm exhausted and fatigued and doing all of this. Or if I don't do that, I'll just have to experience pain on a daily basis. Great. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Simple thing is this. If you can get yourself working out, if you don't know what to do, not a problem. Seriously, just contact me. I have a postpartum workshop I recorded while after my first baby, but the program in there, you can use during pregnancy. And if you just shoot me over an email, we, I can get you signed up for the course. I do not charge much. I, I charge like $47 for it. Now I used to charge three fifty for this course. I gave it away for free for a while, which was really fun actually. Cause I got a lot of people signed up in the local area with it, but, um, it has everything you need. It is super simple and super organized because you don't have brain power to make decisions when you're pregnant easily. And so this will take that out. And it's also very safe. Just follow it. I know what I'm doing. I've, I've rehabbed so many people at this point. Um, so I've got you covered if you want to do that and you don't know where to go. If you can afford it, go find a pelvic floor PT to work with and have them come up with a program for you. And if you don't want to do the workouts with them, you can then take that program and go to a local personal trainer, which is something else I do is we, I work with sometimes personal trainers and have them execute the plans with my patients so they can be accountable because being accountable is probably one of the hardest things to do when you're pregnant, when it comes to exercise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but sciatica specifically, let me just give two, let me give a couple really specific pointers for that. The most important stretch you should be doing for that is, I call it a hamstring stretch, but you do it sitting down. You take your knee, you completely keep it straight. And then you take your toes and you point them towards your face. So your leg is like a straight rod 
and then you lean forward in the chair until you feel that stretch because it will get the hamstring but it'll also get that sciatic nerve and so when you do that you might feel the sciatic nerve discomfort kick on don't be alarmed by that lean into edge into that discomfort don't go to a point of pain but edge into it um if this is something that's really bad only edge into it for a couple seconds and then back off and just do that 10 times and then start to slowly work yourself up to holding it for a solid minute. And when I say slowly, like the first week you do it 10 times, the second week, maybe you do it eight times, but you hold it for a couple, like five seconds. Eventually then you do it for 10 seconds, six times you do it for 15 seconds, four times, so forth until you can get to a minute. So that way you don't piss the nerve. Otherwise you'll really piss the sciatic nerve off. I'm telling you, if you, if you overstretch it, but sciatica is because there oftentimes the, the sciatic nerve is just too sensitive and there's probably too much pressure, too much, not enough movement around it. It's got too much like compression on there. So if you start gliding the nerve or stretching it, it's actually a great way to make it have a higher tissue tolerance, we call that. And then it can handle all the environmental inputs you're giving it and not be yelling at you all day. When was yours yelling at you? All day. <laughs> All day. Oh, okay. And then the other one is a piriformis stretch. And again, I do that one sitting. You just put your leg up on top of the other leg. Let me see. Let me see if my camera can show this. I don't want to mess my camera up though. So you just do this, like up on top of the other leg. Come back up. <laughs> um, and then again, lean forward into that. And you'll feel that more in the buttocks when you do yeah. that. If you do those two every single day. That's probably two of the most important things you can do. Okay. That's really helpful. I wish I would have known that. Wait, you know, you didn't contact me. I think you did contact me at one point. I, I think I was just more like, um, like bitching about it. Like I'm in so much pain. <laughs> Not so please sorry. help me. <laughs> well, I should have had you. God, Katie, you should have just came in. My goodness. I wouldn't gladly. I would have forced That's you. <laughs> You know, but you know, that's another issue. That's another issue. Like when you're pregnant, you have doctor's appointments so much. And then when you have kids on top of that, you have their appointments. When you have a husband, you have their appointments. Like you just have all of these things that you have to do. So fitting in another doctor's appointment is quite overwhelming. Yeah. So, so I agree with you. So when I treat pregnant women, I don't have them come in a lot at all because you're hundred percent right. And I, that's the one thing about chiropractic care that I absolutely hate. I did chiropractic care my first pregnancy and I was going in twice a week and it was only for 15 minutes, but then I had to like find parking and I had to pack. Like it was so much work to go to the Cairo that actually at some point, even though I liked the care, I stopped because the appointments were stressing me out. I was like, this is too much for me to have to plan in my day. So I don't treat that way. What I do is I have women come in, I figure out what's going on. I come up with the care and I teach them what to do at home. And I also teach their partners how to do certain things. So there's something called hip distraction. And there's also something called like manual back traction. And it's so easy to teach your partner how to do it. And so if their partner can't come into the appointment with us, we record it. I record it on their phone, on my computer, and I just send the video to their email so they can quickly look at it. I also have a lot of this info in my postpartum course. So in my postpartum workshop, I talk about how to do these simple, super baby self-treatments to help calm everything down because it, it, it doesn't have to be that hard, actually. There's, if you did 
the hamstring and the piriformis stretch. You had a partner who helped you with some hip distraction on both sides and then a little bit of manual low back traction. I think you could probably mitigate majority of people who have sciatic pain. Wow. That's amazing. That's my opinion. Don't yeah. quote. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but is there anything else that we want to talk about with pelvic health? Yes. Last thing that we can talk about, we can kind of wrap up today. Um, I said this in the very first part of this series, you've got to do Kegels if you can think to do them. It is so protective of your pelvic organs. And when I say pelvic organs, I'm talking about your rectum, your vagina, the bladder, and the cervix and the uterus. The number one tissue that is supporting all of those organs is your pelvic floor muscle. And thank God for that. Because if it was your connective tissues that were under there, we would be screwed as women because those connective tissue get very stretched out during a vaginal birth and even just during pregnancy, even if you have a C-section delivery. So connective tissue does not rebound and come back up like muscles do. Muscles are elastic like a rubber band. So we stretch it, it comes right back. Connective tissue is like the plastic around a soda bottle, like a six pack, right? And so you stretch that and it might come back a little bit, but it doesn't come back like a rubber band does. So it is so important that the pelvic floor is able to stretch, but also squeeze and hold all of these organs. And if it's not strong and it's not doing that, all your organs are coming down we have extra pressure now because of the baby and gravity and all the extra blood and, and fluid in your body that we now have an insane amount of pressure on those connective tissues. And so now we get even more stretching of the connective tissues than is necessary because if we have a strong pelvic floor, it's going to help protect and lift up and not put all that pressure on the connective tissue. When our pelvic floor is weak, and all that pressure sitting on the connective tissue, well, it's not going to feel very good. And so the nervous system in the body, the nerve's job is to communicate to the brain. The brain's the CEO and the nerves are just telling it what's going on. So if we pretend like the pelvic area is, you know, one of your, one of your sites of business <laughs> and there's, a, you know, a fire happening, you're, there's going to be emails going to the CEO saying, Hey, just so you know, like down in the pelvic area, there's a fire and things are chaotic and the CEO would, would take action. Right? So what message your nerves or your email chain is going to tell the brain, the CEO is it's going to feel a heavy pressure sensation or a lot of discomfort, sometimes more lightning crotch, they call it. Um, you're going to feel not such great things deep in the vaginal tissues and that often is a sign that there's something not so great happening in the pelvic area, which is there's too much pressure, the pelvic floor muscles not doing its job. It's not stretching properly and supporting like we need it to. And the pelvic floor, the best way to think about it is a trampoline. It should be this awesome trampoline. A trampoline is nice and supportive, but if I jump on it, it's also beautiful in its ability to go down and come right back up. And if it's an old stale trampoline, if you jump on it, it probably won't bounce very much. It might even rip. I'm serious. That's the pelvic floor. I'm, I'm not even like exaggerating right now. Or if it's a really old saggy trampoline and it's just weak, it doesn't have good elasticity and it's just kind of sagging. 
um, that's not going to be very supportive if I'm jumping on it. Well, I want you to think about your organs are sitting there jumping on your pelvic floor and it needs to be this beautiful, awesome trampoline. And we thank God have the ability to do that if we just do our Kegels. So if you don't know what you're doing with the pelvic floor, you're having some pressure, uncomfortable sensation down there during pregnancy, go see a pelvic floor PT, maybe just for one appointment, if, if that's all you can afford. Um, and just get checked out and see what's going on. And they can give you a plan of care. If you're able to go, I typically only do five treatment appointments with my pregnant women and I just space them out. I don't see them very often. It's more of just teaching them what to do and then managing their pregnancy to help prevent um, weakness issues and which, which helps with the prolapse concern. It helps with stress incontinence, so leaking urine when you're pregnant. Um, it's preventative for back pain, sciatic pain, preventative for um, low uh, SI joint pain. The pelvic floor being weak massively increases your risk of all of those things I just mentioned. So if you're pregnant or if you're concerned before pregnancy about the pelvic floor, it's so simple to see a pelvic floor PT, have them do an assessment, have them come up with a plan of care for what you need to do to help correct the pelvic floor to be this beautiful trampoline to support you during your pregnancy. That's so helpful. I hope that a lot of, you know, pregnant women or soon to be pregnant women will listen to this or watch this and hear this advice. Yes. I, I you know, social media has helped a lot. I think yeah. get, get education out about this. Cause a lot of people who come see me, it's, it's never because their doctor referred me, referred them. Um, mm -hmm maybe 10%. And the rest is just people doing their own research or somebody told them, Hey, you should go see a pelvic floor PT. And it's life changing. It's yeah. life because if you don't rehab your pelvic floor, I promise you it's not going to rehab on its own. And you're going to have, you're going to have issues down the road, unfortunately. And I'm not saying it to scare people. I'm saying that so people have a very real understanding of the human body and what it's capable of and what it needs to be happy and healthy. Yeah. Okay. Done with our rant. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we promise that we will get back up and going with this podcast and get things uh, published more frequently. Yes. So next time we meet on here, we will talk about um, pelvic health, sex, pregnancy, and the postpartum state. Yes. And, and again, if there's any of you listening and you have any ideas for what you would like to hear, please message us and let us know. And we will be happy to look into that. Yes. Bye guys. Bye. We are Dr. Molly Hart and Dr. Katie Schubert, and you've been listening to sex on the floor podcast. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions and want to get in contact with us, you can follow us on Instagram at Dr. Molly Hart and at Dr. Katie Schubert. On Facebook at Pelvic Balance PT and at Dr. Katie Schubert. And for more information about us on our websites, you can find us at PelvicBalancePT.com and at DrKatieSchubert.com.